Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the MMA Archive. It feels great to be back in a new year, 2023, uh, doing doing some of the good old MMA Archive. Um, really excited to share this episode with you guys, share my thoughts on this episode, and look forward to doing it every single week moving forward. I'm really excited to be back. There's been a lot going on in my life, crazy things uh, keeping me away from doing this. So uh, really excited to be back and doing what I love. So this first episode back is going to be centered around one of my favorite promotions, uh, Pride. So this is Pride 3. This one took place on June 24th, 1998. I was one years old at this time. Um, at the Nippon Budokan in Tokyo, Japan. Um, our TV announcers for this one, Stephen Quadros and Boss Rutan. And I'm going to be implementing a little bit of a change to the podcast. I'm excited to do it. Not going to be giving you a basic play-by-play, just trying to give you sort of an overview of what happened key moments and then sort of give a rating on each of these fights how i feel um the fight was exciting etc etc all of these things are factored in the action the quality of the action all of that stuff and it's going to be out of 10 so i'm excited to look back um as i continue to compile these events and see um which event got the highest combined rating Uh, Things like that, Um, just another metric to have fun with and to sort of quantify how I feel about these fights. And of course, I'll be explaining why. Uh, So let's start this one off right. The only way we know how um, the first MMA bout of the night is between Daijiro Matsui and Akira Shoji. So, excuse me. Um, Matsui is five foot nine, 199 pounds, and Akira Shoji is five eight, 194 pounds. Akira Shoji is one oh and one in pride with the draw to his name. Um, while this is Shoji's debut in pride, um, I'm not gonna lie, I hope this doesn't sound racist. I had a hard time telling these guys apart. Uh, so I'm pretty sure you guys might too. So, um, Shoji's the one with the navy blue and red. No, not red, orange shorts. And Matsui's the one with the black shorts. Once again, not trying to be disrespectful, just being candid. We got to be honest here. Um, okay, I'm going to just give you an, uh, a 100-foot perspective and then talk about a couple of different moments that I thought was pretty funny in this fight. Um, early on in round one, Shoji ended up landing a really nice long one-two that really hurt Matsui. And you could see from that point on, he was really dogged about the takedown. Um, This fight, a lot of it was not spent on the feet. A lot of this was grappling exchanges and vying for position, trying to get top position and land ground and pound. Um, There was a, a bunch of different times where Shoji did a, did a really good job at stuffing Matsui's takedowns and ending up on top and turtle, landing shots from there, sapping his energy, staying heavy on his back uh, whenever he would end up in that turtle position, 
just really good economic use of that defense, right? Usually defense is considered its own reward. Uh, but when you're doing stuff like that, defending takedowns, putting your opponent in bad positions, making them pay for those positions, um, really good job of sort of capitalizing on those defensive moments and turning them into offense. Um, there was a, a weird moment in the first round where uh, Matsui was complaining about something with Shoji's glove. The ref comes in to check it and there was like loose wraps. So he ends up cutting off a piece of like Shoji's glove. Pretty routine stuff, but I thought it was funny that Matsui was the one that complained and not Shoji, even though Shoji was the one who had um, the actual thread hanging off of his uh, wraps. And then there was a weird moment here, I'm not going to lie, where Matsui ended up stuck between the first two ropes while trying to defend a takedown. And then he ends up like looking away into the crowd almost. And he's stuck between the ropes, bent over, basically. And Akira's, like, right behind him, just A-yo. Just the ultimate A-yo position. Um, and sort of set the tone for this fight. <sighs> um, a lot of this fight was spent with uh, Shoji either getting takedowns and staying in top position, trying to land punches, not being too effective in landing hard ground and pound, but landing multiple shots right not hard shots but uh active nonetheless and um the rest of it was really matsui going for takedowns getting stuffed or landing some occasional punches from the bottom there was a time where he landed a, a nice up kick i believe in round two um after round two i felt that matsui did more damage in round two um, but based on the control and the amount of time that Shoji spent in top position, it's almost hard to argue that Shoji was losing or um, tied up after round two. Like, I personally had a 2 nothing Shoji, of course, looking at it with the modern lens. Um, but I think there's really a case for 1-1 one, one after 2, just kind of close back and forth rounds with exchanges going, leaning in Matsui's favor. He was more active pursuing punches and pursuing the knockout in that way. Um, but I thought Shoji did the better work in the grappling up to this point. Now, round 3. Um, this one was interesting. Uh, Shoji landed the biggest punch of the entire fight in the third. Um, he landed a nice right straight that wobbled Matsui. Um, but right after that, Matsui was able to get a nice takedown, sort of sap that momentum from that punch. After round three, I felt that Shoji won again. And I call me crazy, right? Um, <laughs> I didn't really tell you much about this round, but... Um, there wasn't really much to talk about. Once he once he got that punch, took him down, and then it was washed into repeat, getting stuck in a lot of positions. Um, so I had a 3-0. 2-1 is defensible, maybe. Um, but after three, they scored it a draw, so they ended up having to go to an extra round. All of these rounds being 10 minutes, by the way. I think that's important to note. Um, so right as round four ended, sorry, uh, Shoji took down Matsui through the ropes like he they almost fell out of the ring um, but everything was good they re reset the action and then the, the horn blew anyway 
this was a 40 minute fight and I didn't have much to say about it. Right. Like we we're here, however long we're here, just talking about this fight. Um, I'm torn on this fight because this isn't the most boring fight I've ever seen by any means. Right. But what taints it for me is the judging. So the judges end up after the extra round, still scoring it a draw. And I just think Shoji got robbed. Like, at best, it was 3-1, in my opinion. It shouldn't have been a fourth round. But even considering the fourth round, I thought Shoji won three out of those four. And I get that nobody got a knockout. I get that nobody got a significant punch off, right? But it's not equal. Like, it, it, it isn't equal just because... Um, Shoji wasn't able to dominate and hurt him in that way. Um, and I think that's something as I look back that I think we take for granted because there's so much talk about all oh, the, the judges are this, the judges are that they're bad at judging. And there is some of that, trust me, but at least we get a fucking answer, right? Like at least we get some definitive, this is what it is. I feel like there's no way you could claim that those were a draw like just because somebody wasn't landing clean punches or knocking someone out on the ground doesn't mean that they were losing like it, it is not an equivalent exchange if i'm on top of you and landing a whole bunch of strikes and you're not able to do anything to counter that you're not able to counter the position and get on top um but you're just taking shots defending well and doing as much as you can of course um but those things aren't shouldn't be rewarded on the scorecard as far as evening it out and making it a draw um i wasn't bored by this fight like this is a 40 minute fight i wasn't bored by it necessarily it's not like i was like man this this really sucks and i've had those trust me um but it was a boring fight I have a higher bar, a lower bar when it comes to my entertainment with fight sports. Most people would say this is a really terrible fight. I thought compared to the time, especially both of these guys were very active and not tired after 40 minutes straight of scrapping, which is a accomplishment in its own right. Um, so there was technique on display, right? fun stuff to watch um for me at least uh but a 40 minute draw isn't fun right so um i ended up giving this one a score of four out of ten now i know that sounds crazy um could have been lower maybe you could argue but i didn't think the quality of this fight was bad like i didn't think like there was a lot of moments there was grappling exchanges and vying for position here and there and just little fun stuff that you you can watch and see oh this is mma they're they're aware of what's going on in an mma context it's not just like a grappling match or um even though there wasn't a lot of striking on the feet it wasn't just a grappling match they were trying to land shots on the ground trying to go for the finish the entire time i was entertained by it but once again it's a 40 minute fight so <laughs> kind of hard to to quantify that but a four out of ten is what i gave it i i thought it was soured by the fact that it was scored a draw but hey uh please check it out and let me know what you guys think i'm curious to see if you guys agree next up daiju takase standing at six foot eight 160 
no, no, sorry, six foot even, 168 pounds. Listen to this against Emmanuel Yarborough, who's standing at six foot eight, 600 pounds. So this is both of these guys' Pride FC debuts. Emmanuel Yarborough went 0-1 in the UFC after he was TKO'd by Keith Hackney way back when, uh, which was a fun one. Obviously, the story here is uh, this is a motherfucking freak show, baby. This is a motherfucking freak show. Um, obviously, just a, a mountain of a man against a very small in stature uh, Daiju Takase. Um, this fight fucking sucks, dude. Sucks. <laughs> and hey, most people would argue the last fight sucked. This fight sucked. And here's why. Um, Takashi made it a point early on. It's like I'm saying Takashi 69 here. I'm gonna just call him Daiju. How about that? Daiju made a point early on of just running away, staying as far away from Emmanuel Yarborough as possible. While this is a strategy I understand and almost commend, um, right? You want to make him tired, you want to put him in a position where he is vulnerable. Uh, but it is so bad to watch. This is not MMA. Like, like this is the one fight on this entire card that I watched, and I was like, this isn't even a fight. Like, that, <laughs> this is a endurance competition under the guise of a, of a fight. This, the, there was two significant moments in this for Yarborough. The first being he ran out early on in the second round after getting sort of circled around in the first he ran out and tried to just grab him with a bear hug and missed um that was a significant moment for yarborough in this fight that's how inactive of a fight this was a lot of it was spent with literally yarborough just standing there like <sighs> and then takasi just running around in a circle and him having to like constantly readjust the way he's facing to pursue Daiju. This fight was awful. Um, the only punch that I recall seeing Emmanuel Yarborough land was in the first. He landed like, he like stepped into a, a southpaw jab, which is funny because um, even in today's MMA, that's kind of like a, considered like oh this is a technical striking thing to do like he's stepping through and shifting in combination um but yeah he stepped through into southpaw and then landed a stiff jab that like snapped back daiju's head but that was the that was it like there was nothing else besides that um until the moment of truth the moment where things actually got interesting in the second round um Daiju got a yellow card for stalling, right? Because he's running away, um, which I was surprised that they gave it to him and not both of them, because uh, you could argue both of them deserved it. But I guess Emmanuel gets the pass for just being fat. So shout, shout out to the shout out to the thick boys. I, I don't blame you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Give him some slack here, ref, uh, which he did. Uh, but after that, um, I guess Daiju was inspired and shoots for a single leg and you hear Bosch Rutten start losing his mind like, no, what are you doing? And immediately Emmanuel just throws his body on, on Daiju, just body slams him and you hear it like boom and flattens him out basically in side control. Daiju did a really good job to continue moving despite having all that weight on top of him. 
to really like slither his leg out as best as he can but he's stuck under this once again mountain of a man and um Emmanuel's just you could tell he's really trying really hard to hold on to position trying to get to a better spot to land punches because Daiju is so slippery underneath he's really trying as hard as he can to get out from under him um eventually Emmanuel sort of puts his arm out there to try to grab another control position and Daiju sits up and and starts um landing some nice left hooks behind Emmanuel's ear that I thought did some damage like you could tell he got an immediate reaction from that and then from there Emmanuel tried to post and Daiju started attacking a Kimura which was hilarious because he tries to torque the arm and he just can't get it to go like at all so then he as the elbows facing upwards like this I don't know if you guys could see that like like this uh, he just starts punching his elbow, which <laughs> I found so funny, bro. He's just hitting his elbow. Like, well, I'm going to try to damage it um, at the very least if I can't get the submission off. Um, innovative work by Daiju, to say the least. But what else can I say, man? Um, Daiju's just stuck. Starts sort of Emmanuel Yarbrough's leg is like right in front of Daiju. So Daiju just starts punching his thigh. <laughs> and then eventually you see like Emmanuel's like bleeding from his nose. Like he landed some shots that hurt him. And he's, he looks like done almost. Like he looks really tired. He's leaking from his nose. He's sitting on top of him, but he's not in a good spot really. And Daiju just pulls his fucking leg out and stands up very quickly and gets behind um emmanuel just starts pounding him out with a bunch of shots to the back of the head uh forcing emmanuel to tap at 13 minutes and 22 seconds three minutes and 22 seconds into the second round daiju wins via submission to strikes um the only reason I'm giving this fight this score is because of the fact that the little man won, right? The only reason I'm giving this score is because the little man won via TKO. Uh, but three out of ten, like this, it would have been a one out of ten if anything else happened or it went to a draw. This fight was terrible. Um, but the the ending was funny, right? You gotta watch some of these. I, I like that this happened, right? And I and I could experience it because you you could say, hey, this is what happened if someone this big is going to fight someone this small. You would assume that the, the bigger man would win. Um, but Daiju did what he needed to do, right? He put himself in a position to tire out Emmanuel and then really go to work from there and get a big finish. So shout out to Daiju for finishing against all odds against Emmanuel Yarborough crazy crazy times in mma which you love to see it next up our third fight of the night we have kazushi sakuraba versus carlos newton sakuraba six foot 183 pounds carlos newton is five nine 169 
Sakuraba was one and one in the UFC and is one and zero oh in Pride. And this is Carlos Newton's debut in Pride after going one and one at UFC 17. I love um, that there's a back and forth and there's a outright mentioning of UFC on these broadcasts. Uh, you could tell times were different even then compared to now, as far as the respect that these promotions have for each other, the fact that they let um, their athletes sort of intermingle, go back and forth, have a contract for X amount of fights here, come back, go go back to the UFC, fight in pride after that. Um, Mark Kerr is a perfect example, sort of went 4-0 in the UFC and then hasn't been back since, just three straight fights in pride. So uh, there's an interesting sort of storyline there, right? As far as who's the best promotion? Well, this person's here now and they're not with the UFC anymore. Uh, so just cool to see that landscape of MMA, right? That doesn't really exist in the same way in the UFC, right? Like imagine um, someone who was just the losing side of a championship fight switching sides and going to a different promotion fighting one of their best fighters um not something you see often so cool stuff i would say and this fight was fucking awesome i just gotta say this fight was awesome um Sakuraba opened this fight up with some nice leg kicks and a sharp southpaw jab tagged Newton twice and looked a lot more comfortable on the feet in this fight. Um, Might have been because Carlos Newton was a little smaller than him too, right? So he felt more comfortable to open up in that way. Uh, but wasn't like he was out there <laughs> throwing a lot of shots and not trying to wrestle, but he just looked a lot more comfortable and sure of himself in those exchanges. Uh, Carlos Newton ended up shooting for a takedown, but Sakuraba did a really cool job of keeping him away from his hips so he can't go for any hip tosses or anything like that eventually he gets a chance to sweep and end up on top this is beautiful i i, I tried to like type this out but it's kind of hard for me to explain it and for you to understand so please i encourage you guys to check it out um but they ended up sort of spinning onto the ground and from there sakuraba continued to spin around and tried to find like the best angle to re-engage in top position and then he ends up literally in a perfect position to just drop for an armbar, which I thought was so dope that he even recognized it because he was just spinning, trying to find a, a good spot to regain top position. And then he sees the arm is there and says, fuck it, I'm gonna jump on it and almost got it. Like you could see um, Carlos Newton was in trouble. It was in deep, uh, but he was able to escape. And from there, uh, Carlos Newton secured a single leg, keeping Sakuraba's leg on his shoulder um, while he's in top position, just to sort of as an anchor, A, but B, in order to keep him flat on the ground and secure top position and a takedown. So a beautiful reversal by Carlos Newton. Sakuraba ends up inverting to go for some legs and then ends up, this is another pause moment here, but Newton ends up sort of face to ass on Sakuraba as Sakuraba's inverting. Um, Carlos Newton did a really nice knee cut pass into mount. But as soon as his knee touched the, the mat, Sakuraba bucked and got on top. And it was just like a beautiful transition because Carlos Newton did so much to get that position. And as soon as he secured it and like tried to anchor himself, Sakuraba used that 
perfect window of opportunity to bump and get out of there. Beautiful, beautiful transitions from both of these guys. Um, and to see someone hang in there with Saku like that is really cool. Um, Carlos Newton ends up standing up and charges with a big right hand, but misses. Um, Sakuraba dives right onto his legs from that shot and gets a nice takedown. He is so smooth at that, whether it was here or his previous fights, even against um, Conan Silvera, that two-fight series. He's just so smooth, especially when he feels you committing to those strikes of just ducking right under, grabbing your leg, and ending up in top position, man. Beautiful stuff. Um, Carlos ends the round deep in a toehold, uh, but keeps his foot low and ends up taking Sakuraba's back uh, right before the round ends. So I thought that this was Sakuraba's round, um, but it was a fun one nonetheless. And now, excuse me, I'm getting a call. I'll be right back. I am back. Sorry about that, you guys. I felt like... The Twilight Zone, they calling me, they calling me, but we're back, we're back, so sorry for the interruption, uh, where was I, yes, round two, um, so round two started off with a big scramble that uh, that ends up with Newton in turtle, uh, landing knees on Sakuraba's back, one to the liver area, the other on the other side of his back, um, Newton finds a good opportunity to land some nice punches, but he keeps getting his hand trapped while he's sort of occupying this back ride, almost say like a turtle position, but um, riding from the back, I guess. A-E-O, A-E-O. Um, Saku did a really slick reversal. This is one that I'm I'm like trying to figure out how to exactly explain this, but he's... It's like an in-between position, and um, Carlos Newton is sort of behind him, almost like as if you're you're you've got someone's back, but you have no hooks in. That's the only way I could really explain it. And then Sakuraba turns onto his hip, and then like rolls back onto the other hip, if that makes sense, and ends up like slightly above Carlos Newton, so he can keep his hips high. And then once he finishes rolling through, now on that other leg, he can base with his knee and start building back up. So by doing that sort of roll and then landing the way he did, he shifted his hips. So now he has the dominant position as far as having higher hips in the exchange. So now he literally wiggles himself from back control into top position which I thought was beautiful, man. Just a really well-timed sweep um, and did the job. Got him in the in the right spot. Sakuraba drops back for another arm bar, but you can see the arm isn't quite deep enough. It isn't at that fulcrum point. Um, Newton is doing a really good job defending A, but then securing Sakuraba's back. And then this is a beautiful sequence here uh, where Sakuraba... He's being controlled in back mount. He sort of lets it happen. He throws himself back a little bit. And then he clears one of um, Carlos Newton's legs, one of the hooks. And then he sort of, as he's like falling back with the momentum, he gets off to the side and snatches one of Carlos Newton's legs and drops back for a knee bar. 
um, just a beautiful way to fight that position. Like I, I watching that, I was kind of mind blown because I'm a bigger dude. When I'm in that position, that's not something I would even think to do because I don't really have the real estate. You know what I'm saying? I don't have the space. Um, sh shout out to Sakuraba, man. That was a beautiful transition. And I hope I'm giving it justice with how I'm trying to explain it. But please check it out. Um, this was by far an amazing fight, right? It ended with a beautiful knee bar submission from Sakuraba. Just beautiful grappling in this one. This was more of a grappling match than anything. There was moments where big strikes were landed and attempted. Um, but Sakuraba ends up winning via knee bar at round two, 15 minutes and 19 seconds. Um, this fight gets a 7 out of 10 for me. And I know that might sound low to you. Um, if there was more striking in this, uh, this would go up for sure. But the parody and the grappling exchanges, riveting. Like, all of this, this fight was not boring at all. This was a super exciting fight, even though it was mostly contested in the grappling. This is one of those fights that, like, even if you're not aware too much about the ground game, but you watch it, it's not boring. It's exciting. You see that they're working. You see that they're trying to advance their position. And just an awesome fight here. So, 7 out of 10 for me. Uh, hoping to see better. Um, even higher ratings than that moving forward, but great win nonetheless. Shout out to Sakuraba doing the damn thing. So next up, we have Gary Goodrich, six foot three, two hundred forty pounds, coming up against Amir Ranavardi. Ranavardi. Well, hope I'm saying that correct. He is six foot one, two hundred four pounds. Gary Goodridge is one and one in pride after making the move, but before he was four and three in the UFC, Amir is making his pride debut after filling in for Kimo Leopoldo on one day's notice. So this was supposed to be Gary Goodridge versus Kimo. Uh, shout out to Amir for showing up and doing the damn thing. Um, Amir came out swinging. He landed a jab and a nice leg kick right off the start that sort of made Goodrich say, oh, you're here, right? Like, you you showed up to fight, but you're actually here. You're actually trying to fight. Um, so that was a cool moment to see Goodrich like, hey, you're actually in this. Cool. Um, Goodrich from there tied him up in a single collar and just starts eating him up with uppercuts to the head, to the body. Amir ends up sort of closing that distance, keeping him tight, and tries to go for a hip throw. Um, but Gary Goodridge landed on top, flattened him out a little bit. And then um, you could see Amir is trying to invert, trying to get under Gary Goodridge so that he's not being directly controlled. Um, he almost had a knee bar. It was very, very close. He dropped back for it. Uh, but Gary was able to take his knee out and sort of clear, once again, clear that fulcrum point, get his knee out of danger, barely. Uh, which was slick. And then from there, Gary trying to re sort of position himself in top position. Amir starts attacking a triangle. Gary did a very good job of stacking him and staying heavy on top so that he didn't have much space to maneuver with it. Um, Amir starts landing some punches from the back and then Gary starts screaming. He's like, that's child's play. And he goes again again and fucking gets cracked like you see him just clean take a punch and and at this point 
because the the cameras see that they're talking shit. They just zoomed in on Gary Goodrich's face. And you see, like, this was kind of sick. I'm not going to lie. This is a hard moment for me to watch. And I'll get into why after I'm done explaining the result of the fight. Um, but he's just like, again, again. And then he gets punched. Boom. Again. Boom. And you see his, like, face turn. And he's like, again. Like, fucking nuts, man. I mean, I'm sure it's intimidating, right? I'm sure Amir is like, what the fuck? Like, this dude is nuts. Um, but it's just hard to watch. And we'll get into that later. But just keeps getting cracked and excited about it, just screaming again. And eventually he cracks him again, and then he just screams. He goes, woo, like, like he was fucking loving it. Sick shit. Um, but Gary Goodridge ends up in a position where he snatches up a old school, old school Dagestani handcuff where he's holding uh, Amir's wrist across his entire back. So his wrist is behind his back, and he's being held on the opposite side of, of the actual arm. So that, that's a hard spot to be in, right? Like, you're, that's, that's deep for him to have his, your arm across your body, across your back. Like, that's not comfortable. But from there, he's holding that, that arm, that left arm, and then what's there to protect him from a right hand? Nothing. Fucking Gary Goodrich holding his left arm just jumps over and cracks him with a hard right hand, thudding like you hear his head doom against the, the, the canvas. And then he hits him like three more times and he's just out. Fucking brutal, man. Like all of Gary Goodrich's knockouts in Pride specifically, but in general, like... They give you that ooh feeling like, damn, like, what, what am I really watching here? Because that looked like someone could get fucking seriously hurt with shit like that. Um, dishing out just brutal ground and pound finish um, at 7 minutes and 22 seconds. Um, I give this fight a 6 out of 10. There was moments where i was definitely entertained moments where i'm like yo these dudes are fucking nuts but there was a lot of moments of inactivity and sort of stalemates on the ground before we ended up getting this really climatic finish i mean it was a seven minute fight and i didn't really have too much to say about it so i think that does a good job of explaining why it gets that grade uh but brutal ground and pound finish for Gary Goodridge. It was just tough to watch, man, because knowing Gary Goodridge, knowing how he is now, and of course he's dealing very acutely with symptoms of CTE and having to deal with that battle on a day-to-day -day basis. So seeing him eat punches, welcome that for fun in a position where he didn't have to, sort of willing his opponent on to hitting him in the face because he liked it, it's hard to watch. Like, it really is hard to watch. And if I see stuff like that now, and this is something I should keep in mind, right? Because if I see somebody doing stuff like that now, I don't have that same reaction. of Like, oh, I'm disgusted. It's just like, yo, this dude's fucking nuts. And you like that, right? As a fan, you, you like seeing that. Like, man, he really doesn't give a shit so bad that he's going to let you punch him and, and hype you up for it. Like, yo, good shit. You just cracked me. Please do it again. Like, usually you see that, you like, man, this guy don't give a fuck. Like, this is my guy. But I saw that, and I was like, man, this is, this is bad. Like, this is really bad. And it kind of gave me a sick 
sick to my stomach feeling, right? Knowing where he is now, knowing how he's doing, and it's not good at all. Um, I encourage you guys to definitely check out his videos talking because, I mean, this is the start of it, right? I'm sure those punches didn't do the damage that we're talking about, right? But it's just hard to see that, right? Knowing what I know. Um, once again, hard to be a combat sports fan. But, hey, um, this is my passion. This is what I love. And you do have to be accepting of a certain level of brutality, right? You do have to welcome a certain level of understanding of what these guys are doing, right? I mean, just look back uh, with the DeMar Hamlin situation. That respect was renewed across the league. But even before that moment, I feel like a lot of people really discount how serious shit is like stuff like that can happen on a regular basis and once again being a combat sports fan that's something i try to keep on the forefront of my mind uh but yeah six out of ten that could have been better but a brutal knockout which you love to see right so can't hate on that right and i feel like anything over a five is worth your time that's what i would say but i gotta once again i got a low bar i like i like mma on a level that not many others do. So um, I got a low bar. I would say anything higher than a five is worth your time. I definitely recommend at least check out the knockout itself, right? Next up, our co-main event, Mark Kerr, standing at six foot three, 255 pounds, coming up against Pedro Otavio, who is standing at six foot three, 243 pounds, Mark Kerr is 1-0 in Pride and 4-0 in the UFC, coming off a controversial win um, against a kickboxer in his last fight. There was some dis debate there on what the specifics were, but Pedro's making his Pride debut. Kerr opens up with a slick little leg kick and then a high kick that missed. I'm like, okay, I see you working on that hip dexterity, Mark Kerr. Um, I mean, imagine if he's throwing slick, clean high kicks like fucking Maurice Smith. We all in trouble if Mark Kerr is doing that. But he's working on him, clearly, uh, which you love to see. Um, he ends up shooting for a double leg like he always does and secures it. Uh, Pedro's doing everything he can to try to bundle himself underneath Kerr, not let him posture up. But of course, Kerr slowly, slowly inches his way into side control, lands a couple punches, makes you think about it, and then eventually tries to lock up a Kimura. He's torquing on it, he's torquing on it, and then you hear Pedro, and this is fucking banshee stuff. Like, it is loud enough that you hear it, and it, and initially, I'm like, what the fuck is that? Because I didn't think it was him. Dude just lets out a scream. Like, he just saw someone get murdered. It screams really, really loud. And, of course, the ref stops the fight because he assumes it's because... I'm pretty sure it was because of the Kimura in that position. Um, and the fight's over, right? He he wins at 2 minutes and 13 seconds. Uh, but Pedro gets up immediately and protests. Um, I don't blame the referee because it really did look bad, the way he reacted, the way he screamed, almost like he was entirely done with that position and i could understand if he was right especially if your arm is that damaged but it was odd man it was weird to see that reaction and then see him get mad as if he didn't just scream for his life <laughs> like I, I don't know um he got up really upset though and he like threw his knee pads into the crowd and he was screaming like even after you know how pride they, they do the bells and 
all of that. So Mark Kerr celebrating. All you hear is the ding, 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 ding. And then he gets up and he's just screaming, dude, like just screaming. Um, so insane stuff, man. Insane stuff. Um, but Mark Kerr gets another win. Shout out to Mark Kerr uh, doing the damn thing here in Pride. Uh, controversial one, uh, but shouldn't be that controversial considering um got the submission right you didn't tap but uh screaming from what i understand does count as an omission of defeat in those positions so i give this one a five out of ten just because it was kind of anticlimactic right like it was a great kimura like if if and I hope this isn't wrong, right? Because I feel like if it didn't happen the way it did and he didn't scream like that and then there was controversy, that I would probably give this like a seven. Like, it was a good submission. It was clean, as Mark Carter's wins tend to be. Um, but just considering the level of competition and the way it ended, kind of soured things for me at least. So I gave it a five out of ten. Once again, worth checking out the finish, if you ask me. And now, finally... Last but not least, a moment that brings me a little bit of sadness, right? You don't want these these shows to come to an end. Uh, but our last fight of the night, we have Nobuhiku Takata. Rest in peace, man. Shout out to shout out to Risen for honoring their past and really giving a beautiful tribute to Takata on their last um, New Year's Eve show. Uh, that was beautiful, man. So our rest in peace to Takata. Coming up against Kyle Sturgeon, six foot two, two hundred and twenty-four pounds. Up to this point, Takata is 0-1 in Pride after losing via armbar to Hicks and Gracie. Kyle's making his Pride debut. I thought this fight was weird. <laughs> Pro wrestling influence for sure. I mean, early on, Kyle throws a blunt, like a naked high kick. Takata blocks it and then like exaggerated, like I'm going to try to make sure I can see myself for this one. So he blocks the kick. The kick hits him. And then he goes, and like throws himself halfway across the ring from the impact of the kick. Um, Clearly pro wrestling influence and just sort of selling the shot, right? Because it didn't land. It hit his arm. (laughs) But he's like flying across the ring. And then the second time he throws another head kick, Kyle, and this one actually lands. Like, I, I try to slow it down. I try to look it back. It actually lands. But it wasn't, like, flush chin to chin or anything like that. It was, like, toe to, f- to cheek, basically. But it landed. And then Takata throws himself on the floor, like, as if he's hurt. So it was weird. Like, that's why I had to check it back a couple of times because he dropped like he got knocked down. But then I already saw him fake an injury to the last kick, so I'm already skeptical. It didn't really land flush. It wasn't directly, once again, shin to chin or, like, the bridge of the foot. It was, like, the the toes, the slappy part of the foot. So that, that just annoyed me, right? Like, I'm already annoyed watching this. But Takata's on the ground. He ends up getting up in, like, a scramble and then securing a nice single leg takedown in top position and then working in Kyle's guard, he ends up deciding, Hey, I'm going to drop back for this knee um, for, for this heel hook real quick and gets it real quick, real smooth. 
at um, two minutes and 18 seconds of the first round. Nobuhiku Takata gets his first win in Pride and finishes the night off with a heel hook at, once again, two minutes, 18 of round one. I give this fight a five out of 10 as well. This finish was nice. The finishing sequence is what gave this plus three points. Probably would have been a two without it. Um, Fight was weird, man. It's weird. Like, I don't like it, even though I acknowledge it, right? And I understand why. You're you're pro wrestler, right? So pro wrestling influence has to be there. But it just blurs the lines in a way that I don't like, in a way that made me second guess, like, is this even a real fight? Right? And you hate to be in that position as a fan, at least me. So that's what I give it, a 5 out of 10. And just like that, we are wrapped up for all of our fights here. Only six at Pride 3. It was a shorter event, uh, but there was a lot of cool moments here, right? Moments that live in infamy, especially that uh, Daiju Takase fight versus Emmanuel Yarborough is like listed as one of the freaky fights um, that UFC always posts like around Halloween and stuff like that, uh, which I find pretty funny. It's bizarre to watch, right? So once again, there was some fun attractions on this, some really fun finishes. Uh, but overall, as an event, I don't know, man. I didn't like it that much. What would I give it out of 10? Um, I want to say 5, but that feels low. So I'm going to go 6. 6 out of 10. Mm, I'm going to go 5. I'm going to go 5 out of 10. I like this event. I had fun watching it. I recommend it for the reasons that I've told you guys already, but not the most compelling fight night, right? Not the not the most exciting, well even well evenly matched fights, competitive fights, pretty much non-existent. So, uh hard to really be in love with the event, but there's a certain charm for it, right? But I will admit, this is one of the probably the eh, probably one of the worst events I've seen. Right. Even though it's only six fights, um, just bizarre. Right. A lot of bizarre moments on this one. Uh, but let's on a higher note, get ready to give out some rewards. Take a sip of the water. We'll be right back. Much needed, much needed. All right. <clears throat> My fight of the night. I'm going to give it to Kazushi Sakuraba versus Carlos Newton. Once again. A dog fight, a fight that afterwards they gave each other a ton of respect because they know how evenly matched they were. Like, this was a really close fight, a lot of scrambles, fun action on the ground, uh, which I'm a fan of. I know some people just don't like uh, jujitsu at all and don't like wrestling at all. I'm a fan of those things. Uh, so I really love this fight. It was the closest fight on the entire card, right? There was the only fight really with actual parody where you felt like someone could have turned it around at any moment or there was momentum shifts, right? So makes it a kind of a no-brainer for my fight of the night on this one. Performance of the night, I am also giving to Kazushi Sakuraba. While I thought Mark Kerr's performance was amazing and he looked well-rounded as well, I thought Gary Goodridge looked very well too, but ultimately nobody really showed that much of their game more than Kazushi Sakuraba. Uh, so shout out to 
Sakuraba for getting better on the feet and just dominating with his grappling when able. Because this was a struggle. This was a struggle once again. So I'm not trying to discredit Carlos Newton. Please check out that fight. It was the best fight on the card um, and is worthy of my performance of the night. So next up, knockout of the nights. I think this one's pretty self-explanatory. Gary Goodridge versus Amir Rahnavardi. Please, if you don't watch the fight, at least watch the sequence, man. Brutal shots on the ground. Um, what Gary Goodrich is famous for. So shout out to Gary uh, doing the damn thing. And then my submission of the night. You guys guessed it. A three award night. Once again, this speaks to the level of the event, in my opinion, that I felt forced, right? I've, I got my hand forced here by Kazushi Sakuraba, but that's my submission of the night as well. Once again, thorough performance from Sakuraba and a submission that it's not like it was prolonged. It's not like they were in that position for a very long time before he secured it, came out of nowhere, was exciting to watch, and it's very hard to see an exciting grappling match in general, but especially back then, especially back then when there was a lot more stalling and things like that. So this was an interesting episode to come back on. Not going to lie, not the easiest event to finish watching, right? This was kind of a strange, bizarre event. Uh, so I'm looking forward to coming back with some normalcy, seeing what we have in store for us next. I believe the next event is a UFC event. Uh, so interested to see how that plays out. Uh, but as always, I had an amazing time with you guys. Please make sure that you follow the brand at OTS Media Co. on all platforms, as well as OTS Media on YouTube. You'll be able to continue getting your videos like this for the MMA archive, as well as all the other video installments of our other podcasts. So whatever we have going on at OTS, all of that will be on the feed. So please make sure you follow us there if you don't want to miss anything. And then for me personally, you could catch me at Negron MMA on Twitter, as well as Chris Negron underscore on Instagram, making that push to 500 followers on Twitter. So please help me out there. I think I'm sitting at 475 right now. Uh, so real close, real close. Uh, can't believe we doubled our counts this last year and looking forward to do even better in this year. So Thank you so much for tuning in. This is always a blast for me, and I'm excited to be back with the MMA Archive. Can't wait to catch you guys next week. Y'all have a good one. Peace.